Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to another edition of the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. We say it every week, you know where to find us. Not the main episode. We're doing a mini mailbag for you uh, just to get you through the week here. We've done First Bite. Thanks again to Gianna Thomas for joining us. Go check out that episode. Man coverage with Lomas Brown is out. You want to go check out. Mike Payton did an interview with the great broadcaster and former Detroit Lion there. We've got last week's pod cast recapping the amazing victory over the jaguars and coming up on sunday you'll have it monday morning but you can catch it live on twitch.tv slash pride detroit sunday 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 is pod cast live to recap whatever happens between atlanta and detroit but for right now we've got a mailbag episode and i am chris perfett your adequate host at chris perfett p-e-r-f-e-t-t we'll get the crew in here real quick and then immediately get to the questions jeremy reisman fearless leader sometimes interim head coach at detroit online hello jeremy hey chris i'm i'm happy to try this out we i know we always do a mailbag in the off season we don't really always get a chance to do it during the season so i feel like this uh, this could be something that we maybe do every week we'll see how it goes Yeah, we've been trying to figure out availability. I know we had a lot of people asking us like, hey, where'd the mailbag go? Because we stopped doing that for a while. But, you know, it's it's hard to get those questions turned around on Sunday after the game and record and get an episode hot in your fresh little hands on Monday morning. But we're trying this out. And yeah. And joining us, as always, is the rock god theme is reserved for Sunday. Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore P.O.D. Ryan, what's up, buddy? Uh, not a whole lot. Just excited to get to the inklings that every single fan has sent to us. <laughs> yeah, I kind of missed. So it's funny because I missed the podcast on Sunday, obviously. And suddenly there's a bit of an is it just how the Lions beat the Jags, Jeremy, that you would say has got fans interest hyped up again? Because I feel like if it was a close game, we'd be kind of scuttle butting a bit. But you lay 30 on the Jags feels good. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I mean, I think there's still I would say still majority of fans that aren't buying it just because of the Jaguars. And that's completely Mm -hmm. understandable. And I'm I'm yeah, I've got at least one foot in in that group. But I think the fact that they look so good in parts of the game in which they've looked so bad in the past, specifically run defense, pass defense and everything. And we came into that week saying Jacksonville is actually not that bad of an offense and Maybe that ends up to be true. Maybe that ends up to not be true. We'll we'll see. I think teams are still obviously still trying to figure things out. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say the manner in which Lions won, it, mo- more importantly than blowing them out, is just looking so good defensively has people maybe maybe feeling it a little bit and and you know looking at that seven game stretches. Okay, okay, maybe. Yeah, I mean maybe. You, you- 
you can maybe say it about the Lions. Maybe they just feast on bad quarterbacks. I mean, Kyler Murray, though, trending upwards. I think we got to give the Lions credit for being them where where they did. And yeah, as you say, the schedule is lightening up. Uh, who knows what the Falcons are going to look like? I believe that the word you used was doppelganger when describing Falcons looking at Lions, the two Spider-Men pointing at each other. And then after that is the Colts, whatever. The Vikings have had trouble. Washington football team. Panthers, not as hot as we thought. So yeah, this is an interesting time and it's still a lot of football to be played, Ryan. That's, yeah. that's the cliche. That's the cliche. There's lots of football to be played. There's a schedule to play itself out, but I'm not drinking any Kool-Aid right now. <laughs> nope. We, we, have, we have the cup in hand, but we haven't taken a sip yet. We're letting it, we're letting it breathe. Yeah, we're, we're not sure which cult leader has, uh, has mixed this brew, so. Is it the 2017 recipe? Is it the 2016 recipe I made with Mad Dog in it? Is it something else entirely? Who knows? Nah, I would appreciate if it was a 2016 blend, because that's my favorite season of Lions football as a fan. That was a, that was a damn... You know what? I think the 2016 one was the better one. And that was the one you got drunk on in Punta Cana, which <laughs> we shared that. We shared the uh, super cut of Punta Cana with the discord the other night. And people enjoyed that. They yeah. really enjoyed that. I, so. I don't know how anybody could not enjoy me uh, trying to me trying to make amends with somebody by by offering uh, room service chicken fingers. <laughs> no, they, were, they were nachos. They were. Not, oh, they the were nachos. I think I, I ordered your everything. Line, Look, here's nachos. Yeah, at oh, one yeah. point we actually yell at you because you get up to get room service while waiting for room service to come. <laughs> well, you know, it was all free, so why not? Yeah. That's true. That's very, very true. But uh, yeah, that's enough scuttlebutt. We should get into the questions. And I already see Twitch chat. If you're listening, if you're watching live on Twitch, we don't usually talk about it for the podcast recordings. But as a mailbag episode, we are reading your questions on Twitch. We're going to be writing them down. We're going to take what we have. Some of them are might be repeats. Uh, I see you, Ryan the Lion, 2988. We are going to get to that question. I think someone else has asked that question. We will get to it. But I think we first start with this question here. I like this from Jackson Reddick 34 And we, uh, Jeremy, you can put these up on uh, screen if you want, I think, if you can zoom in enough. If not, Maybe. don't worry about it. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> not something we planned beforehand. Uh, Jason Reddick 34 asking us, do you see Marvin Jones getting traded at the deadline for something? He won't bag Golden Tate return value, but I could see him getting shipped away. What are your thoughts? I think my thoughts are it's highly dependent on what happens in this next game and I, and, and I guess the, the game after that, because I think there's two games before the trade deadline um, to, to kind of decide whether the lines are going to be buyers or sellers. And um, I, the one thing I'll say about Marvin Jones is I don't think they're necessarily going to trade him away because they're upset with his production. I know I know he's only had 17 yards in the past two games. I know he doesn't look like his old self in terms of yardage numbers and yards per catch numbers and touchdown numbers. But I really think that's more of a, a result of just simply having so many weapons on offense. All that being said, he's probably the most likely to be traded of anyone because of his contract situation, because of his age, because the Lions are OK in terms of depth. I, I mean, I, I would say like Quintus Cephas starting in his place isn't the worst possible outcome isn't one of the bigger drop offs in talent, I think. And, you know, obviously there's a, there's a lot of value in starting a rookie in his rookie year and, and giving him that experience. So I think it's a possibility. 
I think we just kind of have to wait and see how the next two games play out to see whether this team's going to be a buyer or seller. So if I recall correctly, the Lions did get a third round pick in the 2019 draft for Golden Tate. Tate. So obviously, if that's where I think we're setting his ceiling to be, I guess the question is, are you going to be really getting much back for that? And by the way, like the contract, I think on Marvin Jones is a little more bearable right now to trade it. So, you know, that that might not be as big of a deal. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I I think with Jeremy to the to the point that they wouldn't trade him because of his lack of production this season. But I do see moving on from Marvin Jones as being an addition by subtraction for the Lions. Um, mm-hmm. I, he's been dealing with knee problems. Um, I know he's also you know getting a little long in the tooth for wide receivers in the NFL in terms of age. But I think that having somebody out like Marvin Hall or Jamal Agnew or putting somebody out there who has more speed. I think that that would do wonders for the offense uh, in terms of stretching it out a little bit. I know that we want to get Quintez Cephas out there, and that's great too. I, I, but I, I think my my main point in summation is that Marvin Jones, moving on from him would be addition by subtraction. Now, obviously, you have to find a trade partner. And mm-hmm. I, looking at the top teams, I, I'm, I'm just not too sure. I know Baltimore just brought in Des Bryant. I think he's going he's gonna to be an addition to them once he gets up and running. How is Des Bryant 31, by the way? Des Bryant should be like 45 years old. Seriously, he's younger than us. That guy was playing with Marion the Barbarian Barber. Like, how is he 31? (laughs) But so you have you have Des Bryant going to Baltimore. Uh, You have, you know, whatever is going to happen with Antonio Brown. If another team that wants to be a buyer that wants an added wide receiver looks like he's going to be available for a team. I, I, I just don't know who's really in the market or who's clamoring to get Marvin Jones. Right. And yeah, I mean, you, how much are you going to pull for him either? I mean, we're de- third is out of the question. That's not going to happen. No. And not I mean, a fourth. Not a fifth. You, maybe a fifth. I would say may, fifth is probably a ceiling, but you also have to realize everyone else sees his box score right now, too. Everyone else sees that he has 17 yards in the past two games. So you're not exactly selling high at him at this point with him. The George Carlin line about how you're trying to make people think like about stuff and trash and all that definitely, uh, Definitely applies here, I think, a little bit. Like, you can't really fool people on this. I was looking this up. If, I, if I'm reading this correctly, just for funsies, I wanted to look up what we turned, what the Lions turned Golden Tate into with that third round pick. From what I remember, they traded up with uh, Minnesota, I believe, and got Will Harris in that third round. Or am womp, I great? <laughs> yeah. So great. I'm just saying, like, I mean... There's value in trying to get you got to get what you can for him, right? You don't want it just to be zero. I totally get that. But I'm I'm with Ryan in that I think it's just in in large part the only reason we're doing this question is I think it's just time for to make room for other wide receivers, as you say. Yeah. Like and Marvin and all the Jones weapons. is just yeah. Put out yeah. the other weapons. You've got depth. We've talked about the depth of this wide receiver core. It's just time to start exploring other options. And yeah, I just don't know who's the dance partner right now. It just it might just have to be one of those sunk costs. Like you're just not going to get a cost back on every trade proposition you have. Yeah, and to be honest, the contract that they got Marvin Jones on originally was probably. Would you say that it was Bob Quinn's best move he ever made as a Lions general manager? I mean, it's up there. As far as, far as value goes, I don't know if there's anybody who he's gotten more out of for in terms of paying for your buck. Yeah, he was a good transition wide receiver number one when the Lions lost uh, Megatron and before they kind of stumbled onto 
Kenny Galladay kind of coming into his own. He was a great transition. He could still very well be, you know, I just, we have to see how the rest of the season plays out. And I think if anything would help his trade value is if he plays well in the next couple of weeks. Uh, next question you want to take, you know what we've, we've had someone in Twitch chat ask this as well. So I'm going to move to this question. We've got trade deadline questions for the first, uh, for the first That's half. Fine. I mean, yeah, we're only about yeah. 10 days away. It's perfect timing. Only 10 days away. Yeah. And we're going to probably have a reaction podcast to it rather than another. Um, I mean, we'll probably have another mailbag episode. We'll see starting who comes up on the block, but it was Ryan, the lion 2988. And we're also taking this from uh, Tyler Bostador on Twitter, both asking that do they they want to know, do you think a trade for Quinn and Williams would move the needle for this team as a playoff contender? Why or why not? Now that question is coming from Tyler Bostador and Ryan the Lion also just straight up asking, should the Lions get Quinn and Williams? And yeah, if I, I remember mean, the news, if I remember the news today, Quinn and Williams, there were teams available avail, uh, who wanted to get Quinn and Williams, who have put in, who have called the Jets for his availability. But then the Jets turned around today and say they're not receiving any quote unquote serious trade offers for Quinn and Williams, which kind of sets off warning flags in my eyes and that I think the Jets are trying to get too much for him. Yeah, I, I've seen people on Twitter say that Quinn and Williams would be worth a first round draft pick, and I think that's just absolute malarkey. I have no idea why you would trade a first round draft pick to get um, to get Quinn and Williams. I, I think that the whole argument of trading for a known versus an unknown just doesn't really apply here. I, I, I think that draft capital and draft assets are so extremely valuable in today's NFL that if you to, if you were to see a player get traded for a first round pick, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, uh, Yannick Ngakwe got traded for a second round pick, and that was a huge, huge deal. I don't think you usually see things like that in the NFL trading, you know, that high of draft capital for for you know an established player. And we're talking about Quinnen Williams, who's just you know just out of his rookie season. So um, for the Jets, obviously, I don't see why they would have much. Um, much motivation to move a player that early in, in having him. So I think that they're right to kind of like stick their feet in the ground and say, you know, we're, we're going to expect something serious in return. And probably, I think I read a report that said they hadn't received any, received an offer better than a second round draft pick. Um, so they want a first. Seems like they have their, it seems like they had their value established. Um, so to answer the other question though, Quinn and Williams doesn't move the needle for this team as a, or doesn't move the needle for this team as a playoff team at all whatsoever. I don't think that one player comes in here and, and changes it unless it's a position like quarterback. And I don't think that the lions are making any moves there anytime soon. So. Yeah. I mean, to bring up a, a lions fans meme that I see all the time in the pride Detroit comments, does he play linebacker? No. Then he's not going to move the needle that much. I know he's a big run defender. I know he could take someone like, you know, John Pennacini, who's actually playing pretty well out of the lineup or or Nick Williams, who's struggled. But like he's a run defender through and through. And, and that means this coaching staff might like him a lot. But does that change things drastically? I don't think so, because I do think that the defensive front, the defensive tackles on this team aren't even playing that bad. It's the linebackers that are really the main struggle when it comes to run defense. So I don't think it moves the needle all that much. Getting a, a top five draft pick just a year after he's drafted. Is a, is a significant thing. It, he should draw a big market. He should draw at least a second round pick. 
I just don't think the Lions are in a position where they need to be that aggressive to go and get someone because we saw what happened with Minnesota with Ngakwe. They got super aggressive because they thought they were close. They thought they were one pass rusher away. And guess what? They had to turn around two months later, tail between their legs and say, whoops, we made a mistake. And good on them for getting almost everything back. You know, when you make a big trade like that and and you can say two months later, oops, we made a mistake. And the worst thing that happened was your second rounder became a third rounder. It's not horrible, but it's uh, bad, but it's it's, not horrible. Yeah, it's bad, but it's not horrible. Um, And so I don't know. I just like. If if not, everything was in flux with this. GM and they they could think about a potential long term move like this because Quinn getting Quinn and Williams still on his rookie deal you got him for the next three years that's yeah that's a that's a big move but this team needs to win right now and spending I think a second rounder or a first rounder on a defensive tackle isn't isn't how this team wins this year yeah I uh, if if we were talking pass rush you might have my interest a little bit more because you know how I feel on pass rush sure. when it comes to this team but. There's nothing I think Quinn and Williams would really bring this. This sounds crazy to talk about a a number three overall pick from from last year's draft. But but it he doesn't bring anything to the table that changes the DNA of the Lions right now. And if I'm looking at this defense, I want a player that changed the DNA of this of of this defense. I want a player who can like really be electric off the edge or I want a linebacker who can shore who is desperately needed in the midfield to really just batter up and fix up some of these problems. I I I think Quinton Williams plays to some of the strengths the Lions have, but then your question is always if you're improving your your strength, does that really make you that much better and is it worth, you know, what Jeremy's talking about the cost benefit analysis? Is it worth the cost here? And at two and three, third in the NFC North. And honestly, like both the Bears and the Packers only have one loss apiece right now. They've both both those teams have some appreciable room on the Lions and the Vikings. And I understand there's a third wild card this year. But if you're making that kind of trade for Quinn and Williams, you're saying you're pushing for the for the playoffs. And I think that's a question the Lions need to ask themselves in the next couple of weeks before the deadline is. Hey, uh, are we really in for playoff contention or not? Yeah, I, I think these I think these days leading up to the trade deadline are going to be very interesting, and they're going to be pretty illuminating about what kind of control Bob Quinn still has. I'm not yes. saying like I'm not saying if the Lions just absolutely stand pat that all of a sudden oh like Bob Quinn's out because he wasn't able to do anything. He was handcuffed at the trade deadline. I'm not suggesting that. But if, if, if we're not hearing anything about the Lions during the trade deadline in terms of rumors or anything like that, like actual substantiated rumors, not just like suggestion pieces from Sports Illustrated, uh, <laughs> whatever, um, I, I, I would I would think that would be kind of at least curious. Like, I think that's something that I would be interested in finding out at the end of the season if they decide to move on, if he was given those, you know, restraints, if he wasn't allowed to, to make moves at the deadline, because Jeremy, do you, do you think that the lions are in a position to be buyers or sellers right now? No. And that's why I said, I think the next two weeks are really, really telling if they win in Atlanta and then, you know, maybe even beat the Colts. then yeah, absolutely. They are. Then they've suddenly got, you know, a, a, you know, a, a good feeling about this team, especially if the defense continues to play well, then you've got to think, well, maybe, maybe things just click. Maybe that ugly September football that, that Matt Patricia was talking about, maybe that's all that the first four games were. It was just ugly football of them getting it together without the off season, 
and and could build upon that. But until then, yeah, I'm I'm kind of at a spot where it's like you can't really be buyers right now. Can I ask then? I I think that answers one of the questions we had from someone who who was asking if the Lions are buyers or sellers at the deadline. And yeah, there's just the answer is not enough information available. But uh, just to do one more hypothetical before we take a break and move on to some other uh, question categories, and I hate to throw this at you because I think some people think I hate this player. I really don't. But uh, KDS Burner Six asking us, could JJ Watt be available? And if so, should we target him? You were just mentioning would, linebackers. That that would be like if uh, if Marvel traded Captain America to like DC Comics. <laughs> like that's it's not happening. Like JJ Watt is the face of a franchise. He's not getting dealt anywhere. I'd be surprised if he played for a team other than the Houston Texans in his career, unless it was like a swan song. Uh, you know, like one year with like a championship contender or something. Right. But at the same time, the Texans are at the point where they are. They are going to have to start thinking about blowing this up a little bit. And I mean, I don't know about blowing up, but like you got to reload while Deshaun Watson is there and in a good in a in a good mood. J.J. Watts contract ends in 2021. Um, I think he's a cap hit next year for, I think, 17.5 million right now this year for 15.5. And he's 31. He's not going to get long contracts after that. And I think you'd see declining production after uh, probably on another contract here. So I don't know. Like, I, I get where you're coming from, Ryan, but we just talked about does this player change the identity of your team? I think a J.J. Watt would change it, I guess. Yeah, I think I think you're right, though. I guess the question is, would J.J. Watt want to move on from the Texans? Is he that involved? I mean, is he that gung ho about he wants to paint his career as being a lifer with the Texans or not? And I think another big thing is who's making that trade? Bill Bryan ain't there anymore. So you're talking an interim GM who's trying to show off, trying to say, hey, maybe maybe I could get the job for real next year. And he trades away J.J. Watt. Trades away the biggest face that franchise ever had. Mm hmm. After, no, 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 within the same calendar year where you also traded away DeAndre Hopkins. It wasn't you, right. but yeah, right. like your organization also traded away Hops. Right. And so, I mean, I, I'll never say never because who knows what's going on in that GM's mind? Who knows what's going on in the Texans organization? Who knows what their plans are beyond this year since they've already kind of blown everything up? Uh, but that would that would surprise me. That would very, very, very much surprise me. But if he was up for offer, would you take him? I'd consider it 100%. Yeah. Ryan? I can, I'd consider it, too, because he's just so obviously a Matt Patricia dude, right? Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> with Julian O'Carr injury, Austin Bryant, someone asked if Austin Bryant's going to play this week in our chat. Probably not. He didn't have any training camp. So I, I think the fact that he returned to practice, great. I think he's still probably a couple weeks away. So yeah. give me J.J. Watt. Yeah, that'd be great. But it's, I don't think it's going to happen. All right. Let's take a quick break here. Get some uh, get some stuff done chatted up with them play a little grab ass with the twitch chat when we come back i think we've got some more questions about bob quinn i've got some questions sitting here about young rookie quarterbacks about i think we're going to try to list off who our top five lions are right now 
and a question about Wembley Stadium, which we were de deprived of, or you could say potentially spared from this year because of COVID-19, depending how you feel about in games in England. But we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome back to another Pride of Detroit POD cast mailbag edition as we have been <laughs> with Twitch chat during this break, unable to rejoin because we kept getting subscriber hype trains. Which is, uh, yeah, just that money's going to a good place. Just know that. But also uh, know that we answered some extra questions in between breaks. So Ooh. you need to join our live show if you're just listening on the podcast. Or if you can't go see the live show, where where on YouTube can they watch it, Jeremy? Uh, our YouTube page. It doesn't have a fancy URL that I can say off the top of my head. But yeah, just search Pride of Detroit on YouTube and, and we put all these yeah. things up there. Look for Pride of Detroit on YouTube. And I think maybe like... That we might try streaming to YouTube in the future. I don't know yet. We're 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 in limbo about that right now. Yeah. But it's coming. It's coming. We're bringing you podcasts. And we're bringing you POD in more ways than you could ever dream of. And it's kind of crazy. Or maybe ever want. We're not sure. We're still feeling it's out. absolutely. We might more be we might bigger. be forcing ourselves a little too much into your lives, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Just more places where you can leave reviews saying Chris doesn't know anything about football. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we love you chris thank you let's see let's get back to the questions then i've got a bob quinn question here and i feel like i really want to lead off on this before we go lightning round so this is from mc De def fish def as in def as in defense mc defense fish i'm just gonna call him that uh, after all the hand wringing over the exits of players like golden tate quandre Diggs, snacks harrison darius slay and graham glasgow I'm noticing only average play at best from any of them this season, if they're playing at all. Dare we say that Quinn was right to cut bait with these players when he did, especially given the premiums commanded by Slay and Glasgow. Now, this kind of dovetails nicely into what we were talking about with Twitch chat during our break, which is the idea of kind of premiums about, you know, certain certain positions being devalued that you no longer need to overpay at certain positions if you are in a, a general manager role. I know that's not 
friendly towards players, but it's just the reality of what the NFL is right now. Um, I do push back a little bit myself that that they're not playing well, only just because a lot of these players were sent to, I hate to say, it, Garbo teams. Slay, the Eagles have not been good with, even though Darius Slay has been there. Darius Slay has not been the problem in Philadelphia, but the rest of the team is bad. Uh, Golden Tate got shipped over to the Giants, in case anyone was watching and would know what's going on with the Giants. Golden Tate's not the problem there. Everything else is. Snacks Harrison, I guess we can say there, there was something going on there, but he's on a practice squad, and I think the Seahawks are going to be bringing him up. And then Graham Glasgow, I just had his name here, and I immediately skipped my mind where he's at. He's right. the Broncos. Denver Broncos. Broncos, that's right. Again, yeah. another garbage team right now. All these teams that are either rebuilding or kind of in the dumps. So what... Like, I kind of push back a little bit on it, but I, I kind of agree that it's like, I don't think the Lions have really, except for maybe Darius Slay dropped too far off in some of those positional categories where they lost players. What, what do you guys think? I kind of think each situation here is different. Like, you yes. can't, I, I don't think they got rid of guys like Quandre Diggs and Darius Slay because they didn't think they were talented. I think that was a culture clash. I think that was a fact of, that whoever you want to blame, whether it was Quandre Diggs' fault, Darius Slay's fault, Matt Patricia's fault, there was a clash. There was a butting of heads. The, the trades had to happen, unfortunately. Um, but that wasn't just them like, oh, we weren't willing to pay. I mean, they had just given Quandre Diggs an extension. They, they were fine with where he was paid. He was fine with how he was getting paid. Darius Slay's a little bit different. Uh, but at the same time, like he straight up said like he wasn't going to play for him anymore. So he... He had leveraged his way out of Detroit, and the Lions had no way of keeping him. Now, if you want to talk Snacks Harrison, again, it's kind of similar. They, there was a mutual parting there. It wasn't, it wasn't a matter of Lions didn't want to pay him. They had given him the extension. They were okay with paying him. But at the same time, both decided, you know, his role wasn't what they wanted to be. So that's a mistake. They, they gave an extension to a guy and then said, you know what, this isn't working. That's a mistake. That's not them necessarily saying, oh, you know, you're not worth it. And then Golden Tate, I think that was the right move. At, at the time, I was angry about it because I thought the team could have competed, but I'm totally okay with that trade. They got great value for him. Um, I, I, and, Will Harris. And, no. <laughs> value in the draft. <laughs> not his, well, it is his fault that they drafted. <laughs> Whatever. And so, I mean, to answer your overall question, no, I, I don't think we give Bob Quinn credit for any of those necessarily outside of Golden Tate. Snacks Harrison is another... I mean, we'll we'll see how he plays. I, I wouldn't say he's been trashed because he hasn't really just gotten the opportunity to play. He he took his time to choose the team that he wanted to play for. He picked a really good team, gave him a couple weeks to get settled. He didn't have an offseason. Maybe he, he just maybe he's about to get himself a ring. We don't know yet. So I don't know. I I I overall I think coaching has a big role to play here in terms of this this isn't just about Bob Quinn. This is about Matt Patricia's not harnessing a, a good culture with a couple of those guys. But overall, I, I'm not going to give him necessarily any credit because these guys without an offseason with a new team aren't playing out of the world yet. Any thoughts, Ryan? No, I think you guys did a pretty good job of summing it up. Yeah, again, for me, like the only two I'm really considering here is Quandary Diggs and Snacks Harrison because they both landed on the Seahawks, all these other teams like I mean, I know it's hard to say that. And but like, I mean, what what do you want me to do about 
Darius Slay right now when the Eagles have like what one win right now, and yeah. their 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 quarterback doesn't know how to play football anymore, and that whole team is collapsing. And I'm just going to sit here. And I think Darius Slay is going under concussion protocol right now, too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or at least came out of concussion protocol just recently. Like, there's a lot of extenuating factors to his season where I just can't look here six games into the NFL season, shrug my shoulders and say, yeah, you know what? Darius Slay wasn't going to do anything. And we were, the Lions were right to move on from him. I can't I can't do that. Literally 57 seconds ago, Quandry Diggs tweeted the pray hand emoji when someone tweeted about the trade that he had that the lines made for him about a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, some of these guys did want to get out of here, too. So, I mean, yep, I Diggs is definitely one who. Uh, but I mean, that was an ugly trade too, Jeremy. That yeah. whole situation with Diggs was just ugly. I totally understand. Like you, I, I know fans will be mad at him. I can't think of a reason to be mad at him like the lions did and it's hard to admit sometimes but they did do him a little dirty there but i mean maybe he had some fault in there too that's always how it is though it's never one side is 100 right 100 yeah. one side's 100 wrong i want to move on to some of these other questions here this is more of an nfl question but i figure we might ask this because i know stafford's future has been kind of a interesting subject the last few weeks this is from Nate Savage on Twitter. If you had a choice of a starting rookie quarterback to lead the Lions after seeing a small sample size from this year, who would it be? Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, or Tua Tonga-Vailoa? Do I, do I need to bring up some Tua talk? I got the Tua <laughs> theme. I, I still have the theme. Let's go. I do too. All right, I'm playing mm. it. Tua. I never thought we'd hear it again. That's <laughs> we amazing. had to bring it back. <laughs> but, but we really haven't gotten our dose of Tua yet. You know, so that's kind of like a wait and be seen type thing. Out of those other two quarterbacks, Joe Burrow has been like incredible. I know Justin Herbert's kind of caught all the headlines because of the way he, you know, played against the the Saints on that on that primetime game. But Joe Burrow has just like taken such a terrible football team. If can, can we all just reminisce and, and think for a second on how bad the Cincinnati Bengals were last season? I mean, there's a yeah. reason why they had the number one overall pick, and there was a reason why there was no question, no doubt in mind that Joe Burrow was going to be the number one guy. He's he's played above his years. Like, he he doesn't look like a rookie necessarily. He I mean, there's mistakes that he's made. He's thrown some picks. But, like, other than that, I mean, he's, he's really shown himself to be, like, a guy who could legitimately stake his claim to being the best quarterback in the league someday. I I'm with you in that. Like the only thing we've really seen out of Tua is him go to the center of the field for a photo op and sit down. So, so staged. I'm sorry. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, it looks, it looks You've pretty. Got no heart. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm in sports talk radio, Jeremy. Of course I have no heart. You know what? Like, no, I'm sorry. That that's that 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 was that was set up there for the sports writers like you, Jeremy, who are sentimental at heart, who want to believe these things are real. I'm sorry. No, I like it was it was probably emotional. Go to the center to sit there in the center of the stadium after a game. No. But dare I say there's maybe some West uh, East Coast bias happening when we're talking about Joe Burrow. And not giving enough, like, I think Joe Burrow is fantastic. I agree with everything Ryan's saying, but Justin Herbert, I don't think anyone's really paying attention to what's going on with the Chargers with Justin Herbert right now. 
I think I've watched him play a few games. He's got a lot of upside and potential to him right now. Like, and he's just each game he goes out there, he's looking better and better. I know the Chargers haven't exactly turned that into wins, but considering where the Chargers were at the end of last year, can can you really be surprised by that? Kind of the same place that Ryan was talking about with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think I'd, I'd probably lean. I, I'm probably with Ryan. I'm probably leaning Burrow, but not by much. I really like Herbert. I, I feel like Ryan doesn't want to talk Justin Herbert because he stole a job from Tyrod Taylor. Uh, a physician <laughs> yes, a, stole a job yes. from Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> but yeah, there should be a medical lawsuit happening. <laughs> but I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to watch Justin Herbert play much at all, if at all. But I mean, looking at his stats, he's got 107.1 passer rating and he's done it against these teams. These are his four starts. Chiefs, Panthers, Bucks, Saints. Yeah, you threw him in the fire and he's yeah. doing pretty damn well. They're all pretty close games, too. Yeah. I, I don't think that yeah, he got one blown out game. in any game. Yeah. Every single one yeah. is a one-point game. Lost by three, lost one by score. five, one lost by seven, lost by three. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Herbert, I, I think Herbert was going into a much better situation in Los Angeles, though, than Joe Burrow's been given. I mean, Joe Burrow's got Joe Mixon, and, I mean, he's got an aging A.J. Green to throw to. I know they drafted T. Higgins. They got mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd. Yeah, so I mean that's a whole rebuild. Meanwhile, the Chargers got Keenan Allen, they got Mike Williams, they got Austin Eckler, they have you know all the skill position players you could ever want. I mean, they have your guys' number one tight end in in your hearts and in your in your <laughs> list cast rankings and Hunter Henry. But I, 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 and their offensive line, they did some rebuilding to that. I know they, I think they went out and got Trey Turner from the Panthers. That was like a really one sided trade that people were all kind of like whoa what, what Carolina's in a full rebuild they're trading their best offensive lineman so I mean the Chargers are just I think in just a much better situation than fair yeah but the, I, to- I totally get it are. too because not only is it like East Coast bias a little bit it's a West Coast team and everything but the Chargers are the NFL equivalent of the Angels in that they could be doing amazing things and no one would pay attention because it's the Chargers Right. Like there's something about being the number two team in Southern California that just makes everyone forget about you. I mean, don't don't you see that in every sport, though? I mean, the Clippers are just like an afterthought always. I mean, they've kind of come into their own a little bit, but I mean that it took Kawhi Leonard for them to do that. Right. And then I don't remember the. I mean, I don't follow hockey too much anymore, but I can't remember last time we've thought about the Ducks instead of the Kings. That's because that's not that's Orange County. No, that doesn't count as L.A. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but the for San Diego up until not long. I said SoCal. I said SoCal. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, I, I thank you guys. I enjoyed that talk. That was actually good. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I'm with Ryan. I think the answer is Burrow. But for me, I would take either Burrow or Herbert. And I just don't think we've seen enough out of Tua for me to say there. I think I never, this I'm, might this might make a lot of Michigan people sick, but I just kind of want Cincinnati to have something nice. Like, I mean... The Bengals are terrible. They've been an awful football team for how however long. Like they've experienced very little success. I'm sorry for for what they've done to Chile. They deserve nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next question. We spent a lot of time on that one. Uh, Aries from at Loaded Aries. Who would be your top five lions in order? And do you see your list staying the same by year's end? Boy, <sighs> might have to take the pen out for this one. Uh, pen out, baby. Let's see. I'm still going Matthew Stafford one. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I know I he has think all, I think all of us can, though. 
Okay. Yeah. Are we all putting I'm, Stafford one? Yeah, I'm putting Stafford one. I'm putting Galladay on there probably a two right now. Here's here's what I'm I'm just gonna go right off the dome here. Okay. Stafford, Decker. Yes, I have Decker as well. Flowers, Ragnow, Jamie Collins. You have way more defensive players than I thought you would. <laughs> those are the two those are the only two that are playing well. And I'm also shocked that you did not have Duran Harmon on there. <laughs> I'm so I have Stafford, Galladay, Decker. I'm leaning Harmon. I haven't committed to it yet. And then I've got to put Jack Fox on there. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go Matthew Stafford, Frank Ragnow. I love his personality. That's what that's why I miss Graham Glasgow so much, I think. But yeah, um, yeah. Matthew Stafford, Frank Ragnow, Kenny Galladay. One name that we haven't said that I want to include is Amani uh, Amani like, Okay. I, I think that he's just going to continue to play himself into like a bigger and bigger role. And then my last guy, I have to do it. I have to do it and I have to say it. John Penasini. <laughs> that should keep Twitch chat happy. Uh, my fifth, I... Can I put Hawkinson on here? Do you, am I crazy? No. <laughs> Ryan, stop. <laughs> Is that no, I'm crazy. I'm not crazy or no, don't put him on there. Uh, that's just no, I wouldn't put him on my list, but this is okay. your list. My actual number five is DeAndre Swift. And he he probably has the most room to rise. Yeah, I think I think to the second part of the question, though, is like, no, I could I, I'm totally going to change this by the end of the year. We're only six games in. It's OK, I got the list right. <laughs> oh, all right. He's going to hang it over our heads. <laughs> all right. Um, let's see here. Next question. Feel the burn 2020. RIP. Uh, do you think limiting Jared Davis's snaps and subsequent high pro football focus grade is a function of luck or good coaching? So, yeah, almost paradoxically, Jared Davis's snaps have kind of plummeted off earth, but his PFF grade when he has been on the field has been pretty good. Yeah, it's 94.5 was yeah, his PFF grade in, in week four. 95.2, even better, last week with only 19 and 11 snaps, respectively. Overall, 81.1 grade for the season. No, it's fake. I'm sorry. It's not real. <laughs> I, I've even talked to Brett Whitefield, formerly of PFF, PFF, about this, and he said a lot of his grade is being influenced by two forced fumbles that he's had which you might not even remember that he has two force fumbles, but he technically has two force fumbles. They didn't count. Uh, they didn't get recovered. So yeah. that, and that's probably why you don't remember it. But apparently force fumbles is, is like a big grade influencer. And yeah, I mean, he, he is doing some good things. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take it away from him, but his coverage grades of 94.2 and 95.4. No, he's suddenly not good in coverage. I don't buy that even for a second. Um, I, I just think... It, if you want to see what he's doing well, Eric Schlitt over at Lineswire has a really good article where he breaks down every single snap from that Jacksonville game, but I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I think I think this is just small sample size, and and yeah, he's been playing okay, but I'm not buying it. I'll stand with you on that. Um, let's go real quick to this next question then. So I wanna, I'm going to finish off with two questions from Sodanad. 
First one is, do you think Sunday's game could have gone differently if it was played at Wembley? He asks as a biased UK fan. So that would have been the Jacksonville Jaguars. In case you forgot because of COVID and the schedule and everything. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars versus Detroit Lions was supposed to be at Wembley Stadium this year. Over in over in uh, the UK in London. And uh, that brings me to my favorite. I love the crazy stats because I think, you know what? I think where this question is coming from is there's this perceived notion that the Jaguars either perform well in London or they're used to going over in London. And and granted, true, they've been over there every year since, I believe, 2013. They've been over there. Yeah, they've been there every year. Since 2013. They've made a trip over to the UK. I am not kidding you. They've played, they played the 49ers in 2013. Then they played the Cowboys. Then they played, I believe, the Bills, the Colts, the Ravens, uh, the Eagles, and the Texans. So I think of those games, they are, I believe, three and four. Which is above average for the Jaguars, maybe? <laughs> Yeah, well, like that's that, it's funny. Like the only game there where they were really dominant was that 2017 game where they beat the brakes off of the Ravens. But that was also the 2017 where the Jaguars were good with that, you know, defense, the Saxonville defense. Um, the Lions, by comparison, have only been over there twice and they are batting 500. Yeah. Yep. One and one. I, but I don't so know, I, to get to the basis of this question, though, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not the kind of person that really factors in venue too much. Like even Homer away in terms of my perspective on what's going to happen in the game. I don't know if that makes big of a difference. The one thing that I can tell you for sure would have made a difference is the Lions wouldn't have had as many dehydration issues mm-hmm. in, in London. So maybe they have healthy right tackles the entire game. But I mean, that's that's the only tangible thing I could think of that would play out differently in this game. I mean, the Lions just looked like the much better team. So I... I I don't think Jacksonville has a better yeah, side. I just I, I think this it had more to do with the fact that it's now Gardner Minshew's the quarterback and the Lions just were able to get to him. I don't know. What what do you think, Ryan? No, I there's no tangible thing that you can point to and say like this would be influence or this would be a factor in the game. If anything, I think it would benefit Detroit. Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> they wouldn't have had to play in the heat. Oh, okay. All right, fair enough. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it from the fact that but I don't know if there's any tangible proof that the Jaguars, if the Jaguars record was better in the UK, we could say, yeah, they've mastered how to travel that far on the reg better than other teams. But I don't think we the, the proof's not there. The proof's not there. Even in the more recent games, you don't see them like overwhelmingly winning like they lost the Eagles in 2018. They lost the Texans in 2019. I mean, they've so I mean, we were going back to 2016 and 2017, 2015, when they had a lot of those good defensive pieces and they were playing the Bills back then. They were playing a bad Ravens team and they were playing uh, the Colts. Like, I think that was 2016. Andrew Luck wasn't was Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was still on that team right there. But I think they caught him before they had luck back that year, if I'm not mistaken. I could be completely wrong. Someone's going to tell me I don't know football. Um, let's see. Anyway, the second part of his question and what we're going to end on, which Lions player do you think would be the best at dressing up for for Halloween? Dressing up as? Yeah, this is uh, you got to be a little careful here. 
you know what? Here, let me let me st- step back from the ledge a little bit. We'll reformat this with someone else's <laughs> Halloween question. Elgaraz, <laughs> what would your ideal Lions slash NFL related Halloween costume be? Like a sarcastic dagger time reference or something related to the audible dong. Uh, <laughs> Careful. So so forth. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to our friend Audible Dong. All right. I thought about this one. I got a good answer. Okay. It's it's very situational. I don't know if there's a lot of Halloween parties happening this year, but let's say you're invited to two parties. You really only want to go to one. You don't want to go to both. So you, you go to one. You, you First, you commit to both. You say, hey, I'm going to be there for both. You go to one, show up as whatever you want. It doesn't have to be lines related. Then when you inevitably get a call from the person that you didn't go to, you get a call from their party, you say, and they're like, hey, why weren't you there? And you just say, oh, I, I was going as a Lions pass rush. You probably didn't see me. <laughs> Bazinga. That's mean and convoluted. <laughs> I think... Uh, Oh, Do you have yeah, an go. answer, Chris? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to put on just a pretty plain, you know, polo and a baseball cap, and I'm just going to wear two watches. Mm-mm. And just <laughs> have a dour Jeff. look. Just look at have a dour look on my face the entire time. That never changes. <laughs> I am getting booed hard by our Twitch chat, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I would wear a Matthew Stafford jersey. Um, but I would just be also like a big piece of paper and I would go as, um, some like sub, sub, sub subsidized and unsubsidized Stafford loans. Okay. <laughs> that's no? even worse. Nope. That's nope. terrible. I feel like that's kind of good. Well, Guys, there, was, I, uh... there was a Halloween that I showed up and I, uh, we were supposed to be the Wizard of Oz in our English department, and I wore a Calvin Johnson jersey, and I was supposed to be the Cowardly Lion. <laughs> well, wow. I think I think I'm just going to have to kill the podcast right here and then, just after this. <laughs> yeah, I, I already see in the chat uh, Zeus the Loose Goose is saying he demands a refund on his gifted subs. <laughs> We've done it. We've killed Pride of Detroit. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you Sunday for the game. Until then, see you Starside. Oh, <laughs>